Welcome to Echo Online. We want to inspire you to take your first steps into our life-giving local church and discover the community and support you've been searching for. Come join us for one of our services at Mayo High School at either 9.15 or 10.45 on Sundays. We can't wait to meet you and welcome you into this Echo Family Church. Yes, amen. Our hope is that Echo will become your place where you feel a true sense of belonging, your people where you find friendships and support, and your purpose where you discover and fulfill your unique calling. We believe that's what we're all searching for, and we're excited to share it with you. Lastly, thank you for your generosity with both your time and your finances. Yesterday, we had the time of our lives serving the city and making a difference, all made possible by your willingness to support this church. Thank you for being a part of a winning team. So donate tonight. Donate today. Stewardwood has been given to you, and you can donate by heading to our website or simply Venmo us at We Are the Echo Church. Enjoy the rest of Echo Online. Woo! Psalms 145 says this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another and they tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Even just lifting his name brings me so much joy because this is what God wants. He wants us to glorify him and he deserves it. Even today, if you walked in and there's circumstances around your life, good, bad, or ugly, let's take the next few moments here and instead of focusing on the circumstances that may be overwhelming, let's shift our eyes up to the one who can work, work you through those circumstances. God is good. He is so good and greatly to be praised. Jesus, so we do that. This morning we take these next few moments and we lift your name up. It is the name above all names and the only name that is worthy. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Sing, we fall down. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet.
Christy, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Echo Church, and we just want to say thank you for joining us today. You guys are in for a treat. We have some amazing friends here visiting from Boise, Idaho, and you get to hear from Jesse. Jesse in Atlanta, Andy and I had the privilege of meeting a year ago. And so if, for those of you that don't know, Echo Church will be four years old this fall. You are sitting in a room that is a part of a church plant. Hello, Mayo High School, Portable Life. It's great. But since we planted our church, Andy and I have been extremely passionate. Something that God's put on our heart is to walk alongside fellow church planters and coaching and just being a phone call away and assisting. And we, last summer, were at a coaching um, event out in California, and we met Jesse in Atlanta, and they are Californian, is that a word, Californians, and God called them, and they have three young children, God called them out of the blue uh, to a state that they had never been to, a city they have never lived in, to Boise, Idaho, so they got in a car, and they moved different state to a different state, to a different state, and they traveled, and they landed there a year ago, and they have been in the season of pre-launch for their church. So they are launching North State Church this September, but we wanted to bring them in for you guys to be able to hear from them, to hear what God's speaking to them about, and for, for those of you that don't know is that Echo Church as a whole, we are a part of these church plants. Your, the money that you give in your investment, we are investing into future churches. Isn't that awesome? And so you get to hear from Jesse today, but from the get-go when Andy and I sat down with Jesse and Atlanta, we were blown away. We were blown away with what God's calling them to, what God's called them through, and we are so excited for you to hear from them. So Echo Church, could you stand on your feet and welcome Jesse to the stage? Yes! We fancy, y'all. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. We, uh, we planned that little handshake not very long ago, and we executed perfectly. Good job. Uh, yeah, my name is Jesse Flora, and my wife right here, her name is Atlanta, like the city, and uh, we are from California, but yes, God called us to move to Boise, Idaho, and we've never been, we had never been there before, and we just said, all right, God, I guess we'll do this. Um, the only thing we knew about Idaho was that they grew a lot of potatoes there. That was just about it. Uh, but there's a lot more there than just potatoes. And it has been an amazing season. And 
Um, we are so grateful to be here in Minnesota. This is a beautiful place. I had no expectations. I had no clue. I've never been here. My wife was here when she was like nine. Um, she has some extended family in this area, and uh, I like it here. We went to Mall of America yesterday. That was awesome. Good job, Minnesota. Uh, you nailed the mall category. Um, we had a great time. We're really excited to be here because um, we've gotten to know your pastors, and they are amazing people. Uh, we're so grateful for them, their investment in us, helping us in this season, coaching us through all the ups and downs, and it's just been amazing. Um, but we're also really excited to, to be here today to just witness um, this church. And uh, we, you know, we've been following from afar, trying to learn as much as we can, and it's been really enjoyable to be here. And I just want to say, you guys have an amazing church. You have an amazing church culture here. And so um, it's an inspiration to us because I can't wait. You guys are coming up on four years. I can't wait till we are at that point, you know, four or five years down the road. <clears throat> and I'm hoping I can look back and see, wow, look what God has done in our church. And I think you guys, those of you especially who have been here from the beginning, you should give yourself a pat on the back because your commitment has created a beautiful culture here at this church. So uh, give yourself a round of applause, uh, Echo, because you guys are an amazing church doing amazing things. And we are grateful to be here. Um, moving to Boise has been both good and bad. It was, it's, it's been a challenge because we moved to California. All of our friends, all of our family, are, we spent our entire lives in that area. And so to take every, sell everything, take our kids, get in a truck, and go to Idaho, that was a very stressful, scary thing to do, and we're still walking through that. We've been there for a year now, and we're two months out from, yeah, two months tomorrow will be, you know, two months from tomorrow is our launch Sunday. So we are feeling all the emotions right now, all the stress, all the joy. And it's been a challenging season, but it's brought so much joy and so much good. It's been so exciting to see God connect us to people that, you know, we knew nobody there. And God has provided great relationships. And as good as it has gotten and, and as amazing as it is, it did not start well. We pulled our big yellow Penske moving truck up behind our garage. And we, we live in a townhouse community, so our garage faces the garage of our neighbors. Um, and, you know, I pulled the truck up. It was like an 11-hour journey to get there. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm ready to start unloading things. And my neighbor's garage starts to roll up. And I'm thinking, awesome. God has created this divine appointment with a neighbor. And I'm going to get out of this truck. And this neighbor is going to come out and say, Jesse in Atlanta, Flora, you have been called to Boise. God has great things planned for you. And that is not what happened. I experienced one of the strangest interactions I've ever experienced in my entire life. I walk towards their garage thinking, this is going to be great. And this woman comes out, and she is the angriest woman I've ever met in my entire life. She's screaming at me, how dare you park your truck here thinking you're going to unload it at this time of the night? And I looked up, and it's still sunny outside. So I'm like, what do you mean by this time of the night? And I thought maybe she was joking, so I tried to laugh it off. That just made it worse. And she got more angry and was yelling at me, my son is a cop. I'll get him down here and all these things. And I took two non-threatening steps forward, and my foot landed on her driveway. And this woman behaved as if I was charging at her with a machete, backing away, screaming, get off my property. And she shut the garage as fast as she could, and I'm left standing there watching her garage close, and I am fuming. I am furious. Really? Really, God? This is what we are welcomed to Idaho with? We've just sold everything, uprooted our entire lives, and this is what we get right when we get here? Thankfully, the people who moved with us and the people who 
were helping us unload, calmed me down, and we were able to laugh about it. And you know, all things really do work together for good because she has since moved out of the neighborhood. Praise the Lord. God is good. She, uh, she's, she was a piece of work, but uh, she, she's somewhere else now. She's yelling at someone else. So um, it's been good. God, it's been really fun to see God um, create all these, these connections that we weren't expecting. And, and we're two months out. We couldn't be more excited or nervous. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, we're going to kind of set up camp in verses 1 and 2. And we'll journey off on some different pathways to different passages from there. But if you want to open to 2 Samuel, if not, it'll be on the screen. Um, I'm going to read the two verses. I'll pray, and we'll jump in. And I just want to give you a fair warning. In verse 2, something weird is said. We will briefly address it down the road, so don't, don't worry. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, it says this. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah, he asked. The Lord said, go up. David asked, where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. And this is the weird part. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word and to dive into it and learn what it means to really experience the good life, but also to give life to those around us. I pray that you would, your spirit would move and that you would take my human um, flawed words and you would, in your beautiful way, um, make them have an impact on the souls and the hearts of those in this room. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Boise has a river that runs right through the heart of the city, and it is my favorite part of the entire city. And um, the city did this beautiful, uh, they had this great idea to create this pathway called the Green Belt that runs from one end of the city to the other end. And it's like 30 miles of paved bikeway and pathway with parks and, and all sorts of things to do, restaurants, and it is our favorite part of the city. Boise sits in a high desert. So if you look at a satellite image of Boise, you'll see all just tan and brown because it is a desert desert environment. It's hot. But what you'll see, the reason they called it the green belt, because right through the middle of the city, it looks like a literal belt, like a green belt running through the middle of the city. Because the river is giving so much life. It's green. It's, it's beautiful. It smells good. There's so much energy and life down there. And so we love to spend a lot of our time there. And my favorite part of the entire section, there's a section of the Green Belt that's right in the middle of the city where on the north side of the river sits downtown Boise, which is big and vibrant and full of life, restaurants, things to do, and, and there's park, the park is there and the zoo is right there, and it's so much fun on that side. And then on the south side of the river sits Boise State University, which is you know 20,000 plus college students just full of life looking to make an impact on their world and their community. And so you can feel the energy when you're in that part of the city. And I love it down there. And I'm a visual learner, so I can't help but when I'm praying or I'm reading the Bible or I'm seeking God on something, he'll use a visual to, to tie together something or, or point me in a certain direction. And I can't help but look at this river. Seemingly, coming from the waters of this river is life for the city and downtown and the university and all this energy and life and happiness and joy that you can't help but feel when you're down there is coming seemingly from the waters of the river. And when I look at that river and I look at that area and I'm walking through there, I long to be like that. 
I want to be a river of life in my context. I want to be so full of life within my own spirit, within my own soul, where I am strengthened by the love of Christ in such a beautiful way that I can't help but overflow that love to those around me. And because of those people and the people who come into my circle in my life, they can't help but feel joy. They can't help but know Christ in some way because of the life I'm living. That's my desire. And when I think about the church that we're planting, what kind of church do we want to be? I want to be a church that's like this river, a river of life in its city where the area surrounding where we are comes alive again because of the love of Jesus. And so I think if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a Christian, you have access, as, as you guys are going through this series called The Good Life, you have access to the good life. And that's not the American dream version. That's not you accumulate all you can and you have a wonderful, perfect, that's not what the good life means. What does the good life truly mean? It means connection to the one true God and your sins are forgiven and he set you free and he's given you joy. So as Christians, we have access to that good life, but oftentimes we don't live it. Oftentimes we allow our sin or our distraction or our busyness to keep us from experiencing that. So how can we have that river of life in us, and how can we give that out to the people in our community, in our context? That's the question we're asking this morning, and we're going to answer it with three different sections, and this is kind of our roadmap for, for today to help you follow along, because I can be long-winded, so uh, you, you might want to you might want to write this down and follow the map as we go. Uh, an unshakable faith in the cloud of the unknown, an unwavering passion for prayer, and a relentless commitment to obedience. Those are the three keys this morning that we're going to look at to how we can have access to the good life and how we can give life to those around us. First, an unshakable faith in the cloud of the unknown. As humans, we are always living in some way in a season of uncertainty, in a season of, there's, there's a lack of clarity on which way we should go. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a relationship struggle. Maybe it's a health issue. It doesn't matter. Every season of life, I'm sure you can look at your life right now. There is something you are unsure of. And you're wondering, maybe, God, where are you going to step in? Lord, where, where should we go? How should, whatever, whatever it may be, you are living in some sort of uncertainty. And that means that everyone in your life as well, that you do life with in your family, your community, your school, your work, they too are living in a season of uncertainty. And it's kind of funny as humans, we just observe one another seeing how you handle uncertainty versus how I handle it. And we criticize each other or we get ideas from each other, but we're all living in this state, which is an incredible opportunity for us as followers of Jesus to make a great impact. How can we experience the good life? How can we remain full of life as if we're that river of life, even through a dark circumstance, even when the clouds of uncertainty are surrounding us? How can we experience that life still? And how can we make an impact on the people around us when uncertainty is overwhelming us? How can we remain um, living within that life? Well, we have to develop an unshakable faith, an unshakable faith in the cloud of the unknown. Faith can make a major impact on your own life and the lives of the people around you. So back to 2 Samuel, I want to give you the context of the verses that we read. David was anointed to be king of Israel, but at the time King Saul was the king, and, and so David kind of just served under King Saul's leadership and actually became really good friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. But then once David received recognition for his leadership and his, his ability on the battlefield, Saul became bitter and jealous and tried to kill David. And so David was forced to flee. He was on the run, hiding in the wilderness for his life from Saul. 
And so David's sitting within this long, extended period of uncertainty, questioning, likely questioning, okay, was this real, God? Are you, do you actually want me to be the king? Because it doesn't seem like it right now. Or if you do, this seems like the long way around with a lot of twists and turns, and it hurts, and I'm fearful for my life. So I'm sure David was wrestling with all of this. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 1, we find out David, David finds out that Saul has died on the battlefield. And so seemingly, the throne is available for David. It's rightfully his. This is his opportunity. And if this was me, when I'm in seasons of uncertainty, I like to take as much control as possible. I grab on and I hold on tight and I, t I try to take as much control as possible to, to keep, it, keep it within my lane and focus on it. And so if I was in this story, I would have gathered my army. And I would have said, let's go. Let's go take the throne. Come on. We're going to go fight for it. Let's take it. But we don't see David do that. Even though David has been through a long period of uncertainty, he still trusts in God fully. And he takes a moment, without taking it upon himself, he takes a moment to seek the Lord. And he says, is this the time? Shall I go? Is this the moment you've been, you've been waiting, that I've been waiting for, Lord? Is this the time? That shows incredible faith. He wasn't pushed aside because of this time period of uncertainty. He was remaining faithful, trusting in God in no matter the circumstance, good or bad. And there's another moment in David's life too in Psalm 63. In Psalm 63, David writes this beautiful poem or song um, about another season of his life where he's in uncertainty. He's on the, f on the run again. He's fleeing again. So the context of Psalm 63 is 2 Samuel 15. 13 chapters later, David's been the king, he's been ruling, and now his own son, his own son is trying to kill him. His own son is going for his throne, trying to overthrow his kingdom and take everything from him. And so David is forced to flee again. He's on the run. He finds himself in the desert of Judah, in a physical, literal desert. He's standing there. He's sitting there. He's hiding there, fearful for his own life. And he writes these words in Psalm 63. And I want you to grab hold of the faith that comes from David's mouth here in Psalm 63. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced." Talk about tremendous, unshakable faith in the season of uncertainty. Even though David is in a literal, physical desert, running for his life from his own son, which brings a spiritual desert, I don't know, I couldn't even imagine that. He still is able to stand firm in faith in God and say, I believe there will be victory because of your goodness. And I will praise you forever, God, because of your faithfulness. And if you look at David's context, and you look at his circumstance, the words don't match up. Because for me, when I'm in those seasons, oftentimes those aren't the kinds of words coming out of my mouth. But here David shows tremendous faith. And it's not like David had faith in an outcome. It's not like David was putting his faith in the victory. David was putting his faith clearly in God alone, in God only. 
He, it's not like he said, okay, you know what? This victory is going to come. I'm going to manifest this as so many people do today. That's not what he was doing. He was saying, you know what? Because God, I've seen your faithfulness throughout seasons. I can trust that there will be victory because of the one who can bring the victory. It's not the other way around. And oftentimes we in today's culture, we get that twisted. We get it twisted around and we think, oh, let's just put our faith in an outcome. And if we believe hard enough and we say it enough out loud, it will happen. No, we have to put our faith in the one who can bring the victory alone. So David does this. And, and this whole process for us, church planting, we've, we've been through a, a lot of uncertainty. And one of the key areas of uncertainty for us is where are we going to meet? Where is our church physically going to be at? This is, you know, we're in a new city. We don't know anybody. We don't have any connections. And we just felt this specific pull towards downtown. We felt this specific tug towards that region that I was uh, sharing with you by the river, by the university. It's extremely underchurched. There's there's barely any churches in that community. And it's very populated and condensed in one area. And we just felt like God was pulling us to that space. But every, every venue we sought out gave us a hard hard and fast no. And the venues that gave us, well, maybe, but you would be a burden, and I don't know, and then they would just stop talking to us. And so this was very frustrating, because we just felt like, Lord, this is specifically where you've called us. I felt like, you know, in a much lesser way than David, but I felt like that. I'm in this desert. I'm looking, where are we supposed to be, God? Where, you've called us to this, but, you, and, but you're, not, you're not providing a pathway yet. And I got frustrated and confused. But David is such an inspiration in Psalm 63. He shows tremendous faith. Faith is a key if we want to experience the good life every walk of our life, and we want to give life to those around us. What does faith do? Well, I believe it does three key things. It provides strength, it moves mountains, and it testifies of God's goodness. It provides strength. When I'm in a season of uncertainty and I choose to stand firm in the goodness of God and trust in him, I am strengthened by that decision. Simple, simple, defiant faith in who God is, no matter the circumstance, strengthens me. It gives me boldness and courage. But the problem is, oftentimes, I drift away, and I go the opposite way, and instead of standing firm in faith, instead of saying true, like, you know, this is, God is good, I trust in him, I depend on myself, or I allow the circumstances to push me into anxiety, into fear, and, I, and what happens is, when you do that, when you don't stand firm in faith in every circumstance, you go further into weakness, the weakness surrounding, the, 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 the fear surrounding you overwhelms you. But when you stand firm in, the, in God, in faith, trusting in his goodness because he's shown up in your life time and time again, you have strength. It also moves mountains. Faith moves mountains. There's countless stories throughout scriptures and beyond in my own life and the lives of people around me where faith has led to miracles where God has seemingly been waiting for someone to step out in boldness of faith and trust in God for, for him to come through, for there to be breakthrough. And then what, what follows is that breakthrough. And actually the opposite happens in scripture as well. In the gospels, we see Jesus go to his own hometown of Nazareth. And it says that he cannot do as many miracles there because of the people's lack of faith. Faith has the ability to move mountains. We have to believe in God again. We have to put our faith in him and believe and trust in him for big things, for those big prayers that you are afraid to ask. He can answer in a beautiful way and move mountains. And lastly, faith testifies of God's goodness. I get so inspired and so fired up when I learn of other followers of Jesus who are living boldly in dark circumstances, whether it's a health issue, a crisis in their family, or maybe they're a missionary and they're receiving death threats in their, wherever they are, but yet they're standing with this defiant faith and joy in the middle of that fire. That gets me so motivated and inspired to live that way in my context. 
And so you as a Christian have the ability to impact the faith of your fellow followers of Jesus. Your brothers and sisters in Christ can be motivated and encouraged by your faith, the way that you live through that diagnosis, the way that you stand firm in your faith through that um, uh, terrible, you know, that job loss or that, that health struggle, whatever it may be, your faith can impact the faith of those around you. And it also testifies of God's goodness to the people in your life who don't know Jesus. The people who are looking for hope and looking for life and looking for fulfillment and looking for that, that freedom from fear and darkness and sin, your faith in your scary and uncertain times that you face, your faith can lead them. It can be the, the pathway that they've been looking for to discover life through Jesus. So it can testify of God's goodness. So if you want to experience life to the full and you want to give life to those around you, let's, let's have some faith in the seasons of the unknown. There's a silver lining in those seasons. In the seasons of unknown, it's that the unknown should then lead us to prayer. It should. And oftentimes, if I'm being honest, it doesn't. It should, though. And if you are allowing God and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, oftentimes it will. And when you face uncertainty, you'll go directly to God with, with that prayer, with that uncertainty. But for me, if I'm being honest, a lot of times, like I said earlier, I like to take control. And so when a, uh, something happens and there's a lot of uncertainty, I get out my, my notebook and I do pros and cons and I try to figure th everything out. And it's not bad, but oftentimes prayer and, and a reliance on God is shifted to, to the back burner and I push it aside. But the unknown in those seasons, that should lead us to prayer. And, and, and if we want to experience life and we want to give life to the people around us, we need to develop an unwavering and we need to live with an unwavering passion for prayer. Prayer is central. It's central. It is key to, if, to your life if you want to experience it at its fullest level. Communion with God. Relationship, a deep-rooted relationship with your Lord. In 2 Samuel, we'll go back to it. David asks, Lord, shall I go? And God says, yes. And David, persistent in his prayer, says, where, God? Specifically, where shall we go? Which town, Lord, should I go to? David has a commitment to prayer, even in the midst of uncertainty. And I ask that question of God oftentimes in our search for a venue. Lord, where shall we meet? Where shall we go? God, we, see, we think you're calling us to this region, but nothing is coming. Nothing is happening. We're getting only no's from people. And it got so frustrating that I, I stopped praying that prayer. And I, and I tried to take control on my own. And we pursued this venue, the kind of the last venue that we, we didn't even know about it. Somebody made us aware of it in that region that we've been praying for. And, and we, we, we only saw the outside of it. And so we reached out to, to the owner and they didn't get back to us for two full months. And so we added that to the list of, well, they're not, they're not gonna have a church here. And so taking it into my own hands, I pursued this other venue. Um, it was the movie theater in town, and it was far from the region of town that we felt specifically called to. But it was the only place that would give us a verbal yes. It was the only place that would say yes to us. And it would have worked. The movie theater would have worked. It would have been fine. But it just didn't line up with the vision of the, uh, what kind of church we wanted to be. At the movie theater, we would have had to been packed up and out of there by 1140 every morning. And something I've really loved about being here at Echo is the community that you guys have out there when you come in. Just there's a family here, and it's beautiful. And that's the kind of culture we want to have. And I, I didn't want to be the church that's like, oh, it's 1140. Everybody get out. Come on, come on. They're starting Barbie. Let's go. Get out of the theater. Hurry up. I didn't want to be that church. I want to be the kind of church where people are lingering for a long time, way too long, but that's okay because we're a family. That's the kind of church that we wanted to be, and it just didn't line up. But they gave us a yes. And me thinking, well, we have to do this. It, they, they're the only ones that said yes, so this is it. This is, I guess this is what God's called us to do. 
I was getting frustrated because even they weren't sending us a contract. So we had a verbal yes, but not in writing, and I needed it in writing. And so finally, the day that they sent us the contract, the venue that we had reached out to months, two months prior got back to us. And they got back to us, and so we held off on the contract. We went and visited the building, and the moment that my wife and I walked into the building, we knew this is what God had laid out for us. This is what God had set aside for us. And we have a couple pictures I just want to share with you, just because it's such a testimony to God's faithfulness. It's just this beautiful building. It was built in 1907 in the heart of, it's called the North End. It's just outside of downtown Boise. It was originally a Methodist church that fell apart in the 60s and 70s, and it just sat empty for decades. And a nonprofit recently purchased it and renovated it, and they operate a preschool downstairs throughout the week, and we have access to an entire kids' space if you go to the next picture. So, like, God has provided for our kids' ministry. He's provided this amazing meeting space in the specific region we felt him calling us towards. And what is so cool, the lesson I've learned from this is that I had stopped praying. I had stopped praying for this. And right before this happened, I had some pastors and some friends encourage me, you need to keep going to the Lord. You need to keep pleading with him. And so I began to pray again. Where shall we meet, Lord? Guide us, show us. And then this happened. And I'm not taking credit. It has nothing to do with me, but I do think oftentimes God is longing for and waiting for you and I to plead with him, to beg him, honestly. And sometimes we feel weird about that. But I've noticed in this season that when I am praying, when I am seeking him out and asking him to move in radical ways, I see him move. And in the seasons where I'm not praying, I see less movement. And it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with me. And even in those seasons, God is still moving. I'm just too distracted to see it because I'm so wrapped up in my focus. But when we commit to a passion for prayer, we can see his hand moving in every area of our life, in the church and personally. So prayer is key. Author Pete Grieg says this, movements towards God always begin in prayer. Movements towards God always begin in prayer. Think about every revival. Think about every moment in your life where you found deep communion with the Lord. It likely started with prayer. So we have to rediscover a passion for prayer. There's three keys in my opinion. There's probably more, but three keys to a healthy prayer life that I want to run through really fast. And they are a path engraved in the sidewalk, bruised and bloody knuckles, and ears to hear and a heart to mold. Those are my fancy little phrases I came up with. I will give you one words to write, one word um, answers to write down. So first, a path engraved in the sidewalk. Just write consistency. Consistency is a huge key if you want a healthy prayer life. And we pull this directly out of the life of Jesus. Jesus exemplifies this beautifully in his life. And we also see it as an example of, of, in Daniel in the Old Testament. He had a morning, noon, and night pattern of prayer. And we see it in the early church through the book of Acts and beyond. Can, a healthy prayer life is a consistent prayer life. We see Jesus oftentimes step away from the crowd, step away from the disciples to be in the lonely, quiet place in the wilderness, simply to be in the presence of the Father. And we should adopt that lifestyle. And so recently for me, I had a pastor praying over me and over our church. And in the middle of the prayer, he stopped and he said, Jesse, I can just see you pay, uh, engraving a path in the sidewalk in downtown Boise because you're praying so often for that city. And that was so inspiring to me. And I've tried to do that, but I've gotten busy. But, but that's my context. That would be my pattern of prayer to go to downtown Boise and just to walk around and pray and seek the Lord and, and maybe do it so much that somehow I do engrave a pathway in the sidewalk with my feet. But what is your context? 
What is your place? Just like Jesus, even in his, in his crazy world where so many people were depending on him and he was the Messiah, he still found time to step away from the crowds to seek the Father's face. Where do you go? When do you go? Where's your pattern? What, what's your time? What's your place? Maybe it's a spot at your job. Maybe it's a seat by the window. Maybe it's your backyard or a park. Find a place and find a time where you can return to consistently to seek the Lord and to plead with him to move in your life. Prayer, consistency in prayer is key. Second, bruised and bloody knuckles, persistence, persistence. Oftentimes in my life, when I'm praying for something over and over again, I start to feel bad, like, oh, God's annoyed with me. I'm not respecting him enough because I keep asking as if I'm a begging child. But that, that's not true. In fact, the gospels and throughout scripture gives us permission throughout scripture to keep seeking the Lord. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 11, he sums it up in verses nine through 10, gives us permission to do this. He says this, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is giving us permission to continue praying. So if there's a specific thing in your life, whether it's a financial crisis, don't give up, keep praying, keep seeking the Lord. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's your marriage and your spouse is starting to, to move away from you and pull away and they want nothing to do and they don't want to reconcile, whatever it may be. Don't give up, keep praying, seek the Lord. Maybe there's a healing you've been longing for and your heart just aches at the thought of this person in your life that you are hoping God answers this prayer and heals them. Do not give up, keep praying, knock on that door until your knuckles become bruised and bloody. Do not give up on prayer because there is power in prayer and God rewards those who seek his face. And lastly, ears to hear and a heart to mold, a willingness to listen and a willingness to be transformed. That is a key to your prayer life. We have an Amazon Alexa echo thing at our house and I know you got, I, I was at the cast house and they renamed their Amazon to a different name because Echo, every time they talked about the church, that's hilarious to me. Uh, but theirs listens to them. Mine does not listen to me. It, does, it refuses to listen to me. It listens to my wife just fine. It listens to my kids and they don't even speak well. But with me, it does not listen to me. I'll say, Alexa, set a five-minute timer. Nothing. Alexa, set a five-minute timer. Absolutely Nothing. And so oh, maybe I should say it nicer. Alexa, would you mind please setting a five-minute timer? Nothing. I have to yell at it. Alexa, come on, before it does anything. It doesn't have a willingness to listen to me. And I laugh about it, but that's me oftentimes with the Holy Spirit. I somehow establish these walls or I plug my ears and my heart and I don't have a willingness to listen to his direction. He might be trying to shift my thinking or guide me in a different direction, but I've established, whether it's my comfort or my, my own desires, I've established these walls and I'm not willing to listen to God in those moments. Prayer is, a, the key to prayer is a willingness to listen. It's a conversation with God. Prayer is not an opportunity for you to perform a monologue in front of him. It is an opportunity for you to hear from him, for you to open your heart to him and to listen to him guide you and direct you through his word or just sitting in silence in communion with him. We have to be consistent. We have to be persistent. We have to be willing to listen. We have to build a relationship. If I talk to my wife once a week on Sundays and the rest of the week I was like, meh, do you think our relationship would be healthy? Absolutely not. You cannot depend on once a week on Sunday mornings to develop a strong relationship with your Lord. Every day, commitment to be in his presence and listen to his loving, soft voice. Prayer should then lead us to obedience. And we'll close with this. This is our last point. 
to experience the good life and to give life to people around us, we have to develop, we have to commit to a relentless commitment to obedience. We have to be relentless in, 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 in a, with a willingness in our heart to be committed to obe- obeying everything that God has called us to do. In 2 Samuel verse, chapter 2, verse 2, God says, go to Hebron. And so we see, it says, so David went up there. So David went, he was obedient. He did what God called him to do. Now, real briefly, let's talk about the weirdness of the two wives. This is not, you know, this, this verse is not an acceptance of David's lifestyle. It's simply a description. It's telling you what he did. And what, so what does this tell us? Well, to me, it encourages me because even though David clearly had a sexual sin problem throughout his whole life, think about Bathsheba, think about you know, all the women throughout the scriptures that he was with, David clearly had a problem. Even though he had a problem, God still used him. God still uses broken and flawed individuals, including me and including you. And just because maybe you've been living in a pattern of disobedience your entire life and you found yourself at church this morning, that does not mean today isn't the day to start walking in obedience. Right now, a simple step of obedience to what God is calling you to do. And we see God guiding every step of David's story. And he's been guiding every step of our story too in this, throughout our entire lives, but specifically with starting this church. And we have found ourselves two months out and God's been doing this incredible shift in my own spirit these last few months. When we first set out to do this, we set out this huge vision with huge goals, specific timeline and specific numbers to reach a certain amount of people in a certain amount of time. And there's nothing wrong with that. What could be wrong with trying to reach as many people as possible? Because the good news of Jesus is greater than anything anyone could ever experience. So yeah, we should reach as many people as possible. But what the problem was is I was allowing my vision and I was allowing these goals to become an idol in my life. The vision, the goals, the timeline was more important to me than simple obedience to God. And at the root of who I am and what I was created to be and who I was created to be, I am created to be a man of God. And what does that mean? That means simply that I love God with everything in me and I love my neighbor as myself. That's it. That's the root of who I've been created to be. And so of all this prepping and all this planning and all this effort for this church plant is just so we can reach one person with the good news of Jesus, then so be it, praise God. And if all this effort was so that God could take our vision and and multiply it by a hundred and just blow our minds with what he wants to do, then so be it, praise God. As long as in my heart and in my soul, at the root of who I am, it's simple obedience that's directing me. Obedience to his spirit, obedience to his call. Simple obedience, a defiance, a choice saying, I'm going to live in obedience. Oftentimes in life, we grab onto all these things that are gonna get, we think are gonna give us joy. Because we are created in the image of God, we have this desire for eternity built within us, this longing for something greater than ourselves. And so we try to grab onto all, sort, all sorts of things, experiences, um, lifestyle, success, money, whatever it may be. We grab onto all these things thinking it's gonna give us fulfillment. And what happens is we find ourselves, we're actually holding the chains that are wrapped around our wrists. And obedience is simply the act of letting go and saying, God, you are enough. And in that obedience, we find freedom. In that obedience, we find life. And if you're here this morning and you're longing for life and you're longing for hope and joy and fulfillment, it doesn't come by grabbing on to all these things. It comes from simply letting go and saying, Lord, you are enough. I will be obedient to you. Author Tyler Staten writes this, only the story of Jesus supplies meaning enough to satisfy the eternity in the human soul. We were all created in the image of God, so we have a built-in longing for heaven and a longing for eternity. 
And only Jesus can fill that. And so that comes through simple obedience. And I want to close with this, these two verses from Acts chapter 5. There's this moment where a couple of the apostles were arrested for preaching the name of Jesus in the temple courts. They were thrown in jail, and, in, and they were said, you, were, you will never preach the name of Jesus again. And in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord came, set them free, and said, hey, go back to the temple courts and do the very thing that you were just arrested for doing. Go preach the name of Jesus. And so they go. So the Sanhedrin, the people who arrested them, find them standing in the temple courts when they should have been to prison, and they see them proclaiming the name of Jesus again. And so they, they, they wonder what's happening. So they plot to either kill them, and then they decide not to kill them. Instead, they're just going to physically abuse them, and we're going to scare the name of Jesus out of them and keep them from proclaiming the name of Jesus. So we pick it up in verses 40 through 42, and I, please be inspired by their obedience this morning as we close. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus. In verse 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They were just physically tortured because of this, thrown in prison and threatened. And yet they said, you know what? We're gonna be obedient to God. And they rejoiced in that obedience. Let that inspire you. If you wanna experience the good life within your own spirit and be like that river of life in your context, in your community, full of life yourself and overflowing so much so that the people around you can't help but find life too, then we need to collectively and individually, we need to commit to obedience. We need to develop a passion for prayer again or for the first time. And we need to have faith in, in, in seasons of uncertainty. Those, those things will keep you within the good life that Jesus died to give you. So let's pray and we'll worship together as we close. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of this, these scriptures, God. And ultimately, Lord, none of this, none of this would mean anything without what you did on the cross for us. Because of your blood on the cross, you've set us free and you gave us life. Lord, I just pray for any individual in this room this morning who doesn't know you, who hasn't chosen to follow you, who, doesn't, who hasn't looked at you and believed in you as their Lord. Lord, I pray that this morning would be the day that today would be the day, God. I pray that you would challenge those of us in this room who are followers, who have been following you our entire lives. Lord, would you move in us? Would you inspire us? Would you challenge us and convict us if we need to be? And God, help us live within this life you've given, you died to give us, and may we give life to those around us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. May you stand and let's worship together.
life's upon you Jesus we do we do Jesus we build our lives upon the rock today we choose to walk off the sinking sand and walk onto your foundation your foundation not my foundation yours God Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Uh, didn't he do a phenomenal job out there today? As Pastor Jesse was mentioning uh, about Jesus not being able to heal in his own hometown, what was resonating in my heart is, is about how sometimes we view miracles or our callings or our breakthrough as a stagnant reality, but really it's always meant to be a movement. Y'all pick that up on there? Okay, so like, some of you need financial breakthrough, but you're not willing to be obedient with what God has called you to be faithful with. So you're not seeing it. Some of you, if you're anything like me, you know, like if you have a physical issue, you know, like, and you need to go to the hospital, like, like if you're anything like me, I just stay at home hoping it's all going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, no, it actually is a movement. Maybe part of your miracle is actually getting off, you know, the bed and going to find a professional to help you, you know, and. For some of you that are trying to overcome addiction, some of you are frustrated because you just don't quite know why you aren't seeing your breakthrough. Your breakthrough and your miracle is meant to be a movement. It's never meant to be stagnant. Y'all catching up what I'm saying here? And so often we look at our miracle, we hope it to be a freeway when really it's meant to be a gravel road. And on that gravel road is many turns, and there are some really tough uphills. Come on, somebody. Okay, and I, so I just feel like Pastor Jesse and Atlanta, they came all the way from Boise to share with us to not give up. Come on, so does someone here to hear, need to hear that today? Don't give up. Okay, do not give up. This is not time to quit before you even start. Your miracle is in front of you. We believe that with all of our heart. But see it as a gravel road and maybe not necessarily a freeway. Um, I love your space. I love that they get to meet in that space. And, uh, and uh, I just said this in the first hour. I'm going to say it again. Like, like, like that is maybe where you start, but it may not be where you end. You know what I'm saying? We see the miracle in the now. And, you know, if, if you've been around Echo for a bit, come on, let's hear an amen for the castle, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like man, I was in the promised land. Like if someone's going to visit or ask me to come preach, man, I'm showing the castle. Like, this is amazing. But you know how many are thankful that, guess what, that God is continuing to lead us. And sometimes in life there's turns and there are some uphills and like I'd rather be in the center of God's will than in the center of my own comfort. Do y'all hear that? And some of you, you, know, you don't want to step out and follow Jesus the way that he's calling you to do because guess what? You have made an idol of your current context, your comfort, or your own control. Come on, someone, someone say, Andy's preaching me today. 
And honestly, man, God is trying to stretch us today. And we bring in church planners because they are our heroes. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesse's crazy. Atlanta, they're crazy. They left what we know as the promised land, California, which now has turned to Exodus, according to a lot of California, Egypt, like a lot of Californians would say now, you know, but what I'm saying is this, they left everything they have to just follow the calling of God. And we want to continue to put people in front of you like that, because guess what? God wants to do that in your life. And some of you may not have the specifics, but you may have the general picture. And we're just praying that they would continue, this type of story would go ahead and motivate us to continue to step out in faith and follow Jesus. And what we acknowledge is this, is we cannot do life alone. So we, we have this prayer that, prayer that we pray every week as a reminder that guess what? If I'm going to get anywhere in life, it's going to be with a surrender and really a heart to follow Jesus. And so I want to invite some people here today that have never prayed a prayer like this before to take a step towards God as God is taking a step towards you. And so church, could we join with people that are praying this for the very first time and also mean this from the bottom of our heart? Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody says, can we celebrate with someone that prayed that for the very first time today? If that's you, we'd love to connect with you. Hey, can we celebrate our guests that are here today as well? We're so glad that you're here. We'd love to connect with you in the lobby. We also want to invite Atlanta and Jesse to the stage, and we kind of want to just pray them out. But before we pray, I want to say this. Some of you are moved, moved by their story. And you know what? I feel like God's trying to move you, not just emotionally or mentally, but also like move you financially. If you want to support them today, we're going to make it really easy. All you need to do is go to our website and click on the giving link called Generous, the line item Generous. And anything that's given today to the Generous account is going to go to their church plant, to them personally. Uh, And also, if you have a check, you can give that out to the uh, giving stations out in the lobby. But we are super excited. Jesse and Atlanta, that means a ton. You'd come and hang out with us and that you would present the gospel, what God has placed on your heart uh, for your city, but also ours in Jesus' name. All right, Echo, if you want to just join us in prayer, you can close your eyes. If you feel comfortable, you can extend your hands towards Jesse and Atlanta as we just pray for them right now. Jesus, we just come to you right now and we just lift up Jesse and we lift up Atlanta and we lift up their precious children, God. We pray for Xander and Arden and Renly, God, and we just pray right now for supernatural strength in this season. We pray for a head of protection, God. We pray right now that you will be with them. God, I pray for unity in their home, God. I pray for their marriage to be strengthened as they are just fighting just long days, God, and just never-ending lists, God. I pray for their eyes to look above, God. Scripture that they use is Colossians 3, 2, God, and it's just a northern state of mind and looking above in all things, God. And I just pray in this season that Scripture comes alive in them. God, I pray right now for unity in the city. I pray for relationships as they are new. I pray that it doesn't even make sense, just the depth that you bring, God, because of you. I pray for relationships to be rich and friendship and joy, God. And I just pray for self-control in this season. I pray for peace. I pray for humility, God. We just pray for you to have a way. I pray for everyone in the city of Boise, God, that we are so excited to witness as Echo Church here in Rochester, cheering them on of the transformations that are taking place. We cannot wait to hear the stories, God. And I just pray over the next two months 
that they are just getting started, God, but I pray for you to do the work in people's hearts who have never stepped foot in a church, who maybe have walked away from church, God. And I just pray for them to find home and refuge and safety at North State Church, God. I pray for opportunities for these two and their team to lead people to you, God, to lead them home. And I just pray for reconciliation. I pray for restoration and we pray for the rescue, God. We pray for you to rescue people out of darkness, to rescue them out of sin, to rescue them out of addiction, to rescue them out of, a, of loneliness and depression, God. And right now, I just pray that you will unify them in this city, God, that you are calling them by name, you are calling people by name, and we lift this up in your name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Echo Church. We hope you have an incredible day.